3: future go to noblegoldinvestments.com now noblegoldinvestments.com Past
2: performance may not be indicative of future results investing in precious metals including gold involves risks consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision
4: all right what's up ladies and germophobes? nick Mo cedar here why is my face orange um i think I, I think i adjusted my camera settings, so my face is orange but um you guys are just gonna have to deal with that all right my, my beard is already red, so it just makes me look ridiculous, but that's fine, okay? Because really, you guys aren't here to, to look at my beautiful face. You're here to, uh, to listen to why Fulton County is going to win this lawsuit against Dominion. Now, I decided to put this together impromptu. Uh, I did not prepare for this live stream whatsoever. I was actually having a conversation backstage in a group chat, with several very, very highly proficient cyber experts and people that are very, very technical. Okay, and there was a bit of a a debate on whether or not Eric Spikin's evidence that we talked about yesterday, remember, um, Fulton County sued Dominion, right? And they had several exhibits as part of that lawsuit. They had Wake TSI's audit report. They had the Halderman report. They had a, a new report, which was actually just, Um, completed on September 15th from Eric Spikin. Now, Eric Spikin, he claimed that basically um, he was given, you know, he took forensic images of six hard drives from the Dominion machines and analyzed them. And what he found is uh, essentially that (coughs) there was, um, there was like something called a Python script on one of the machines. Now, the Python script allows for massive vulnerabilities, um, you know, basically, it, it just opens the entire system wide open so that anybody can exploit the vulnerabilities and it can be remotely accessed. And he found that it actually was remotely accessed by an IP address in Quebec, Canada. Right. So this is a bombshell in and of itself. What Eric Spikin found is, you know, evidence of possible foreign interference. Um, he said that he didn't know what data was transferred or how it was altered or even when this intrusion happened, but it did happen, right? So we have that as part of this lawsuit. Now, yes, Expert G says the script itself is illegal, just like the Microsoft SQL, um, you know, a database tool that we found on every single machine that we've looked at, including the Fulton County machines that, you know, Wake TSI found the Microsoft SQL uh, script on the machines, and that's not EAC-certified software, right? So the, we found an illegal script that's not supposed to be there that would allow for uh, foreign intrusion or remote access, and we found that it had been remotely accessed. But there was a conversation backstage where people were saying, you know, debating whether or not this, this particular evidence would be admissible in court based on how it was obtained. Okay, and there was back and forth about, you know, whether or not it was admissible. Okay, so then we started to kind of get a little bit concerned here. Um, And I'm not technical enough to explain to you (laughs) why or why it would not be admissible. But there was a little bit of doubt and a little bit of concern here about where this is going to go. And we started to feel a little bit deflated. But then we realized something. That's totally irrelevant. Okay, I want to, and so I want to explain why. What, what dawned on me, what occurred to me, is that there's absolutely no way that they can lose this because of what they're actually suing for. I want you guys to understand something here. This is, this is the first lawsuit of its kind. Okay, because so far we've seen, you know, rogue people trying to sue and ask for an audit. We've seen candidates try to sue. We've seen lawsuits to ban the Dominion machines on the basis that they're unconstitutional. Uh, We've seen lots of different things, but this is completely different. We've never seen this before. This is a County suing the vendor that they're under contract with for breach of contract. Completely different. Okay. This, this This is a County that's under contract with Dominion for millions of dollars. And so, this whole standing thing that we keep getting, all of the, the the court cases get tossed out for lack of standing. Well, standing means that you're not the injured party. So you're not the person who has a right to bring the lawsuit, which is ridiculous, right? I mean, if I'm a voter and the election was rigged, then why don't I have standing? This This is my constitutional right to a free and fair election being violated. But we keep seeing these things being tossed for lack of standing. But in this case, it's, it's, ver- it's going to be very, very difficult for a judge to toss this out for lack of standing because Fulton County is 100% the injured party here. And so we have a, we have a dispute on whether or not Dominion breached their contract, right? So we're not trying to prove. This, this, is, this is the thing. We don't, we don't have a very high burden of proof here. We're not trying to prove that votes were flipped. We're not trying to prove that the Dominion machines are unconstitutional. We're not asking a judge to change the election results. We're not asking for a new election, right? We don't have to prove that there was Internet connectivity. Do you understand? So, like I said, there was a debate whether or not Eric Spikin's evidence would be admissible in court. But I realized it's totally irrelevant. Because Fulton County is not suing on the basis that their machines accessed the Internet or that there was foreign intrusion. No, Fulton is suing on the basis that the Dominion machines, what they certified and what they said in their contract, they violated. Either by, you know, um, gross negligence or incompetence or with with malish, uh, malicious intent intentionally, right? It really doesn't matter. The whole point is <clears throat> we have a lawsuit, right? We, we, let, let's break down this situation, okay? So Fulton County, they contract with Dominion in 2019, okay? And, and part of that contract says that Dominion, you know, is going to ensure to Fulton County that there's no vulnerabilities, there's no capabilities of accessing the Internet, that the machines are safe and secure, there's an, um, you know, there's an um, multiple separate certification processes as part of this contract. Okay, so by the time you get to election day, these machines, as part of the contract, are supposed to be safe and secure, and any possible internet connectivity uh, capabilities have been disconnected, removed, and it's impossible. That's un- That's part of their contract. Okay, so then you had. The Halderman Report. The Holderman Report deals with these exact same machines. I believe it's the image cast X five point five suite B or whatever, something like that. So Holderman releases this report, and then you have SISA, the government agency, the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, an arm of the government validating. Halderman's report, which says that there are at least nine separate vulnerabilities that could potentially allow for malicious software to be installed on these machines that could potentially be remotely accessed or accessed uh, by people at voting precincts. So Halderman puts out his report, and now Fulton County says, hey, wait a second. If these machines are vulnerable, then you've breached the terms of your contract. So the fact that we have that one exhibit in this lawsuit is all that you need. That's the only thing that needs to be there. Forget about Eric Spikin. Forget, I mean, I think his evidence will be admissible in court, but even if it's not, it's irrelevant. You don't need to prove that there was internet access. You don't need to prove that there was foreign interference. You don't need to prove that a single vote was switched. All you have to prove is that there were vulnerabilities in these machines, that there was possibility of internet connectivity, and um, J-, Al- J. Alex Halderman has already proven that. So Fulton County is going to win this. You know, well, let's be honest. You can't be you can't be too sure about anything because the judiciary is completely compromised. But I think that we have sufficient evidence that these Dominion machines were in fact vulnerable, right? There's there's no reason that they should lose this. And if they win, if they win, this will set an incredible precedent. Because a lot of these, there's 16 states right now using these exact same machines, and they're going to be using them in the midterms. These exact same image cast X 5.5 Suite B, whatever they're I don't know the exact name, but they're being used all across the country. And all of these jurisdictions are under contract with Dominion. So they can't get rid of the machines unless they have a basis to do it. And if if, if Fulton County is suing on the basis that they breached their contract, then that sets a precedent, precedent for any of these counties or jurisdictions – that want to do the same thing. This also sets a precedent for the people that have these slap defamation lawsuits. You know that that if that if that have, that are being sued to the tune of one point three billion by Dominion. So this is this is a very very, um, this is a major bombshell. This is different than anything we've seen before. Okay. So, again, Fulton County contracted with Dominion in 2019, all right, and then they found that they could not reconcile the the, the number of votes cast with, what was it, the, uh, what was it, guys? Help me out here. Uh, hold on. Actually, my, my, my chat is frozen. Let me hit refresh. There we go. So they couldn't reconcile their voter records with the the number of votes cast, right? So that's when they decided to bring in Wake TSI. Um, There was an anomaly, a discrepancy, which they could not explain. So then they brought in Wake TSI to audit their machines. And Wake TSI found Microsoft SQL software. They found that the, the, the machines had actually been accessed After the certification and changes were made. So, you listen, you can't do that. After you certify that these machines are safe and secure, you can't make any changes. Because then we'd have to recertify the machines, right? So, so they found Microsoft SQL software, which is um, not supposed to be there. It's not EAC certified. They found a number of things. Wake TSI did. Okay? So, then... The Secretary of State decertified those voting machines, decertified them, the ones that Wake TSI looked at. And so they said, okay, well, if you're going to decertify them, well, then we're going to go with another vendor. We're going to replace Dominion machines with another vendor. Okay, and then Dominion tried to intervene and filed an injunction saying that Fulton County is not allowed to do that. Because they're under contract with us until 2026. Okay, so now we have this dispute going on where Fulton County is saying, we want to get rid of Dominion. And Dominion is saying, well, you're still under contract with us. And so now Fulton County is saying, no, we don't want to stay under contract with you because your machines are vulnerable and you've breached the terms of your contract. So we have every right to get out from under this contract. And in fact, what's really interesting, right? Um, Dominion, when they filed this injunction, they did not try to challenge any of Fulton County's evidence. They didn't try to file like cross claims or anything of that nature. They, they the, the Fulton County evidence was completely untouched, which means that Dominion has no counter argument. To the findings of Wake TSI. Okay, they're just trying to rely on a corrupt judiciary. But I really think that Fulton County has an actual chance here. So they've got multiple exhibits in this lawsuit. And you don't need every single piece of that to be um, verifiable or admissible. You know, the the evidence of Eric Spikin or even Wake TSI or or they could say, you know, because they also included the Williamson, uh, Williamson, Tennessee evidence. Right. Where we saw the uh, there was some sort of discrepancy where a bunch of ballots were 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 what the hell happened. Cancons covered it 20 times a bunch of ballots were once there was some sort of trigger ballot that went through all of the ballots afterwards were marked as provisional. And they found erroneous code on the machines, right? So they inserted this as an exhibit. Well, you know, they could say, well, that's Williamson, uh, Tennessee, so that doesn't count. You can't – that's not admissible in this in this case. Okay, fine. Get rid of it. Then they could say Eric Spikin's evidence is not admissible because of the way that it was obtained. They could say, well, there's no – there. you know, maybe they could say there's not a chain of custody on these drives, so we can't really – This is not admissible. Okay, fine. Get rid of that, too. Then they could say, well, Wake TSI was an independent auditor, and the Secretary of State says you weren't allowed to audit your machines with a third party. So that's not admissible either. Well, then you still have to deal with the Halderman report, and there's no getting away from that one because J. Alex Halderman is the left's guy. He's the Democrats' guy. You know, he was one of the guys that they would cite after the 2016 election, saying that there was Russian interference in the 2016 election. So he was their guy, right? And he is a highly accredited expert. And his report says that essentially all of the machines have these vulnerabilities. And he also says that in order for Dominion, see, see, Dominion could actually come in and patch these uh, vulnerabilities with new software and fix the problems. But Halderman said that would take months. It would take months and months for Dominion to identify the problems, to, you know, create new software and patch the problems and then that go through the EAC certification process and all of that stuff. So there's no way that that could happen in a timely manner. So here's what could happen, right? You see Fulton County could sue Dominion for breach of contract. And then uh, Dominion says, well, we, we were gonna we were gonna patch that up anyway. But it ain't gonna work because Halderman says that would that would take months and months. And he also said that the machines have vulnerabilities that he identified, but there's likely more that he didn't identify. That this could be exploited in a number of ways that he didn't identify in his report. And again, and again, this being an exhibit in this lawsuit is all that you need, especially since CISA issued an advisory report. And guess what? Remember, CISA did this. They they issued an advisory report saying that J. Alex Halderman has identified these vulnerabilities. However, there's no evidence that these vulnerabilities have been exploited in an election. But again, This does not matter, even if that was true, which it's not. But even if it was, we don't have to prove that they were actually exploited in an election. We don't have to prove that a single vote was flipped. We don't have to prove that there even was Internet connectivity in the election. All we have to prove is that the machines were vulnerable because this is gross negligence or misconduct on part of Dominion. And violates the terms of the contract, right? So you guys see why I'm so hopeful here. I'm so hopeful because this this would set a, a massive precedent. This would be horrible press for Dominion. How many times have we seen, um, you know, people gaslight us and say machine these machines are safe and secure, right? What happens when a county sues Dominion and wins in court and then you know Dominion has to pay there's actually a liability clause in their contract which says that um, they are not okay if let's say it was an accident whoopsie daisy well we're not we're not going to be held liable for more than 200 percent of the contract so I don't know how much the contract was for. But let's say Fulton County is under contract with Dominion for five million dollars. That would mean if you sue Dominion for for breach of contract, and it was a it was a it was an accident, it was just a boo-boo. Well, you can't sue them to pay you can't um, get them to pay compensative damages for more than twice the amount of the contract. So you can't make them pay more than 10 million. However, if it's gross negligence or like malicious conduct then that liability clause goes out the window. Then you can sue them for however much you want. So let's say that these machines, <clears throat> let's say it was malicious intent on on part of Dominion, and they get sued and have to pay to the tune of $15, $20 million. How does that look? While Dominion's trying to sue Mike Lindell and um, Fox News anchors and, And all these people, Newsmax, they're trying to sue all these people for $1.3 billion for defamation. But you just lost in a case uh, where it turns out your machines actually were vulnerable and so vulnerable that you had to pay $20 million, right? So these people that are saying your machines, um, like, hook up to the Internet, they're not too far off base, are they? Now uh Jennifer Asper says nothing will happen until after the midterms. Well, let's say that's the case so we have a we have an election run on the Dominion machines uh that you know later it turns out after the election are proven to be vulnerable and have internet capabilities and you know they can be they can hook up to the internet um and be remotely accessed from Canada well. How does that help us in terms of actually, you know, correcting the fraud that happens in Pennsylvania? I think it would help quite a bit. But I would like to see these Dominion machines tossed before the election. You know, because once we, you know how it goes, once you get past that certification, well, then they say there's no constitutional remedy. We've already certified the election. Well, it's, 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 it's funny and convenient how that works. You give us like, a, you know, two months to figure out a nationwide crisis and prove it in courts, which won't address the issue until after the election, has already been certified. What a conundrum. <laughs> you know, isn't that, isn't that something? We had Supreme Court cases from the 2020 election at the time of certification on January 6th, and the Supreme Court refused to expedite them. Wow. What a brilliant concept! Democrats are working to allow all illegals the right to vote in 2022. Five million new Democrat voters the last two years. Okay, I want to address that. Actually, I I, I did a I did a Telegram post about this because it's a little bit misleading. This this post from the Gateway Punnett. So there was a the House Judiciary GOP posted yesterday. That the Democrats just voted to support non-citizens voting in our elections. The Gateway Pundit picked this up. It was their top story. It was it was pinned, and it's it went super viral. You know the the Democrats are trying to vote so that non-citizens can uh, can vote in federal elections. And I, I thought to myself, okay, now I'm a conservative. I'm I'm a Republican, but this seems a little bit. I don't know. This seems a little bit far fetched here because that's that's. That's so blatantly unconstitutional, but I wouldn't put it past these Democrats. so I went I went and did a little digging and found the backstory of what this actually what they're actually talking about. And so I did a telegram post after I kind of came to my conclusions. So there was this bill, it's House bill one zero five zero three bilingual requirements. and this bill states that citizens of language minorities have been effectively, excluded from participation in the electoral process. So it's a bill saying that you have all these Spanish-speaking people that, you know, they're being denied their right to vote because of the language barrier. So this new House bill is going to require states to accommodate Spanish-speaking people um, who speak, you know, Spanish as their primary language. So then, so we have this bill, and the Republicans try to add an, an amendment to it which stated, quote, nothing may be construed in this bill as to permit any non-citizen to vote. Okay, so the Republicans tried to add an amendment to this bill saying that nothing in this bill can possibly be interpreted as non-citizens are allowed to vote in federal elections. And all the Democrats voted against the amendment. So. So this isn't necessarily Democrats voting to allow Democrat, I mean, uh, Sp- um, illegals to vote in elections, right? They're voting against the amendment, which specifically states that they're not allowed to, if, if that makes sense. But here's the thing: the bill itself, without this amendment, already kind of addresses that. The bill says it defines the terms citizen. As citizens of the United States. Okay. So it's possible. That the Democrats. Well. Look I got to be careful here. I'm not trying to sound like a. Uh, I'm siding with the Democrats. But it's possible. That they saw this amendment from the Republicans. As as unnecessary. Or more of a political stunt. So that they could. You know the Democrats vote against it. And then they could go out there and say. The Democrats just voted to allow non-citizens to vote in our elections, which is exactly what they did. But the bill doesn't actually state that non-citizens can vote in elections, okay? The bill actually specifically already addresses what the definition of a citizen is, and that is a citizen of the United States. So the amendment that the Republicans proposed was pretty much unnecessary, and the Democrats voted against it so don't I, i'm just telling you don't worry about this it's not that it's really not that big of a deal they didn't actually pass a law which would allow you know non-citizens to vote in elections that's not what happened it's a little bit misleading the way that it's been portrayed um but you know to add to that we do know that the democrats are in fact trying to make it easier for illegals to vote i mean this house bill this this bilingual requirement bill is basically just a front they tried they're trying to say well you know these these people that don't speak english they're being denied access to vote in our elections and so we have to accommodate them well what's their real intention here is it inclusion do they really care about you know people being disenfranchised or blah 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 no they don't give a shit about that and and expert g says it perfectly the names of candidates aren't in any language (laughs) how do you how do you uh How do you say Donald Trump in Spanish? It's Donald Trump, right? It's the exact same. Um, So, this whole thing's ridiculous, right? But the Democrats are trying to paint this as like a a matter of inclusion. Now, I will say this the candidates' names are definitely not changing. But, you know, when you go to vote, there's signs, there's, um, you know, directional arrows and stuff like that that tell you where to go. Um, you have you have a lot of things that you know possibly you know if you were if if you only spoke Spanish might make it a little bit slightly more difficult and then there's that 14th amendment equal protection thing so but but the Democrats regardless are trying to make it easier for illegals to vote right <laughs> they're, they're 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 trying to prop this up like they're they're trying to help legal Americans, that are, you know, of Hispanic descent, migrants that don't speak English, they're trying to make it easier for them to vote so they're they're not disenfranchised, but really, we all know exactly what their motive is here. They want these 4.2 million illegals to be able to vote. Right? And 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 it's already been pointed out to me after I posted this that you know, when you when you want to become a citizen of this country, it's it's pretty much a requirement that you learn English, that you learn how to read in English. So if you don't speak English, you're probably illegal. So who are we accommodating here? Anyways, you guys sent me on a tangent there. But, uh... Anyways, so I just wanted to go live and and talk about this lawsuit, this Fulton County lawsuit, and explain why I'm so optimistic about this. And just to summarize, it's because, one, there's a Very high probability that we will get around the standing issue. And there's also.
2: Now. Order now fighterflare.com
4: so a very high probability that the plaintiffs will get the relief that they're seeking you know we've had we've had judges basically say well i can't look you want me to get rid of the dominion machines and you know force the state to go to hand counted paper ballots i can't do that because i'm a judge and the judiciary has no right to do that that's the legislature I can't I can't make new election law. I'm a judge. The legislature has to do that. So they say I can't give you the relief that you're seeking. Or we're we're asking for an audit, right? For instance in Michigan, we're asking for an audit. And Bill Bailey and Matt DiPerno, they had in their legal briefing, they say, "Um, well, right here in the Michigan Constitution, it says that I have a constitutional right to an audit." So, I'm asking the court for the relief to give me an audit of the of the election, right? Well, the judge the judge said unfortunately there's statutes that have been written expanding upon that constitutional amendment which which says that the process by which you would get an audit is that the secretary of state would be the one to conduct it. It's been written into law that yes, you have a constitutional right to an audit, but the audit shall be done by the Secretary of State. And so here's the problem. The Secretary of State has already done an audit. So I can't provide you any more relief than what you've already gotten. What you're asking for, I I, I really have no power here. My hands are tied. So therefore, the case is dismissed. That's how that went down. So we're not asking for an audit, which the judge can get rid of the case because of a uh, oh, I can't give you the relief that you're asking for. We're not trying to overturn an election. We're not trying to do anything of that nature except for prove that these machines were vulnerable and therefore violate the terms of the contract between Fulton County and Dominion Voting Systems. So that is that is why I have a little bit of hopium here. That is why I'm I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about this. All right? So... With that said, ladies and gentlemen, I think I'm going to I'm going to wrap this up. All right? Actually got to do some work like for my job. So, <clears throat> I want you guys to have a, a an excellent day. I want you guys to feel, you know, pick your heads up a little bit cuz we've gotten a couple, man, we got a couple smackdowns in the last 24 hours. Kind of, kind of. I mean, Letitia James is is off off her freaking, you know, off her freaking meds and filing a lawsuit. To try to bar Trump and his kids from, you know, acting within any corporation within the state of New York, barring them from getting a loan, barring them from, you know, uh, you know, um, acquiring any real estate, anything of that nature. And we also had the 11th Circuit side on behalf of the DOJ and allow this frickin uh, criminal investigation into Trump to continue, which which really caught me off guard. I mean, because I was thinking, look, the 11th Circuit has six Trump appointees out of 11. (laughs) You know, Judge Cannon put Trump in an excellent position by putting the DOJ's investigation on hold until the special master's review is completed. Right. I thought we were in we were in some pretty good shape there. But then, as it turns out, the damn special master gave the DOJ their defense argument to the 11th circuit. This guy is a total deep state rat. I don't know how the hell he was chosen to be Trump's special master other than Trump is receiving bad advice once again. I mean, I don't know how many times this has happened where Trump's attorneys are misleading him, misguiding him, giving him bad advice because this special master, the one that actually signed off on the surveillance of Carter Page... That same judge was chosen as Trump's top pick as special master. Yeah, expert G, he's more of an ass master. You know, Judge Deary, I say, I say, more like Judge Diarrhea. (laughs) More like Judge Diarrhea, am I right? You know, that's that's the only joke I can come up with here, because it's really not funny. What Judge Deary did, you know, just to put this in simple terms, is... He he basically said, okay, so my job as special master is to go through these documents and determine whether or not they're attorney client privilege or executive privilege, right? That's my role as special master. So you want me to go through these 11,000 documents. And 103 of those documents contain markings of classification. Okay. Now, the DOJ says that they're classified. And Trump says, that they're declassified. And so I don't know what to do here. I'm Mr. Special Master. I don't know if I can actually review these classified documents because I don't have the clearances to do that. And it's also part of the DOJ's criminal investigation. And so he was trying to figure out, you know, can I review these documents or can't I? And so what he did is, is he said "Trump, to Trump and Trump's legal team, I want you to prove that these documents are declassified. Just clear this up for us, okay? You say they're declassified, but I haven't seen any evidence of that. So Trump, I want you to submit a sworn affidavit under oath that you declassified those documents. This is what the special master did. (laughs) And then so (laughs) Trump is basically like, I don't have to prove shit. I, I was the president. I can literally declassify something with my mind. I can just say in my mind, it's declassified and boom, it's done. The, the, the president has the complete and total unilateral authority to declassify anything he wants at any time, whenever he wants, for whatever reason. Right. So for, for the special master to even say, prove to me that you declassified them, tells me everything I need to know about him. That he's a deep state operative because that's total bullshit everybody knows it the special master knows it and what he did was he propped up the DOJ's argument he gave them he he gave them a freaking win on a silver platter because I don't know if you guys saw this so after he after he made this request to Trump for a, an affidavit proving that the that the documents are in fact declassified then Trump's attorneys said. Um. No. Uh, first, we're not in. We're not. We're not supposed to be in this position. The burden of proof's not on us. And if these bastards bring criminal charges, that's going to be part of our criminal defense in the future. So it's best for us to not disclose stuff like that right now, unless we absolutely have to. Right. We don't want to give away our defense prematurely and then you you know you want me to you want me to put an affidavit under oath so that they could try to go after me for perjury is that what you're saying special master that was hand selected by trump he wants trump to be in a trap of perjury by submitting this affidavit and then giving the doj an opportunity to try to you know take trump's uh statements and you know find out some type of way some legal argument that he perjured himself right So this is what the special master, this is the position that he put Trump in. And then the day after, the DOJ filed with the 11th Circuit saying that you must allow this criminal investigation to to continue and reverse Judge Cannon's decision to halt the criminal investigation because Trump hasn't proven that the documents are declassified. Right? So (laughs) – So the 11th Circuit actually cited Special Master Deary's comments and the fact that Trump, this is what they said. The 11th Circuit said that um, Special Master Deary asked for proof and Trump refused to prove it. So we're siding with the DOJ on this. So literally the Special Master stabbed Trump right in his back and gave the DOJ a winning argument. To the 11th Circuit on a silver platter. That's the special master. So anybody who thinks that, well, you know, people say that, oh, 5D chess going on here. Something, you know, trick up his sleeve. There's a reason why he chose the judge that, you know, signed off on the surveillance of Carter Page. There's a reason. Come on, guys. I'm sorry. I'm not, I I don't do stuff like that. I don't read 20 million, you know, um, like, I don't I don't make these gigantic mental leaps into some sort of abstract narrative where Trump is like like the this puppet master g- genius that there's some sort of coordinated strategy that's been going on for 6 years straight and it's all going to come to fruition so everything bad that's actually happening is actually good and it's going to you're you're going to figure it out not right now but 2 weeks from now Two weeks from, th- and then two weeks later, two weeks from now. Okay, this is all part of an elaborate, he's doing this to expose him. He put he put the special master in the position to expose him. Come on, man. Look, Occam's razor, people. Special master is a dipshit, jackass, deep state swamp rat, always has been, always will be. And whoever put him in that position is uh, misleading Trump. It should have been a sign when we saw the DOJ actually approve of him judge raymond deary the doj put up their list of candidates trump put up his list of candidates and the doj was like actually (laughs) that's your guy judge raymond deary is your first pick you you, are you serious (laughs) all right all right cool yeah actually i think we can come to an agreement here yeah let's let's put that guy in charge he's gonna review the documents all right genius way to go guys all right that's pretty much how it, how it went down. The DOJ actually approved. They didn't fight it. They didn't go to canon and say, you know, that the, these these guys are are biased towards Trump. These guys are, you know, uh, not going to be impartial. They didn't try to make that argument at all. They said, actually, <laughs> yeah, Judge Raymond Deary seems like a upstanding guy. Yeah, he's definitely going to be impartial. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's let's go with that guy. The DOJ approved of Special Master Deary. That should have been your first sign or your second sign because he also signed off on the uh, the Carter Page surveillance. So I remember CanCon was saying, ooh, maybe, maybe, maybe Trump wants to put Deary in that position because he's, you know, he was part of the surveillance of Trump's campaign. And all these documents have to do with, you know, Russia Gate, And so Trump wants Deary to look at them and see the evidence that he has on him. Well, I love you, CanCon, but I don't think that's what's happening here. You know, what basically just happened is, so <clears throat> these 103 documents that are bearing classification markings, they are barred from review from the special master now, because uh, the special master just basically sided with the DOJ and said, well, I'm going to have to assume these are classified. So you want me to, you know, sift through all these documents and, and decide if there's any attorney client privileged or executive privileged information here. But, uh, I can't look at the actual supposedly incriminating evidence, the good stuff, the juicy stuff. Those one hundred and three documents with the classified markings—I can't look at those because they're classified. I don't have—I don't have the clearances. So, <laughs> so, so he can only look at you know ten thousand nine hundred of the documents, and the good stuff, the juicy stuff, isn't even part of the special master's review. This is your. This is our. You know, they're not sending their best people. They're not sending their best. This guy, Deary, is a bad hombre. And I'm sticking to it, okay? Now, at the end of the day, I, I ain't worried. I, I'm really not. This is this is ridiculous. This whole DOJ criminal investigation into whether or not Trump mishandled classified documents, it's not going to it's not going to succeed. There, there's no way they can prosecute Trump on that basis. The former president. It's not it's not gonna happen. Espionage. Yeah right. Give me a break. Espionage that you know Trump was you know giving foreign se- or giving foreign secrets to our adversaries and stuff like. Okay, <laughs> okay, we're talking about uh paper, paper, right? Not digital. Not like Hillary Clinton had thirty thousand emails on a private server. One hundred and ten of those were uh you know classified. Not- no, 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 no. Because that could be hacked, and it actually was hacked. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about physical pieces of paper. Uh, secure behind a padlock at Mar-a-Lago, and also guarded by, you know, private security, secret service, and mass surveillance of the entire estate. Uh, and you're trying to say that Trump potentially left our national secrets vulnerable for a foreign adversary. So what is what is uh, Xi Jinping, like army crawling down into Trump's secure vault and, you know, cracking the code so he can get what What? you that's ridiculous and then you would also have to prove that it was intentional that that trump actually purposely traded secrets with our adversaries or you know left it vulnerable for like they're, they're never going to prove that either here's what i think this whole thing was a setup a, a a completely elaborate ploy the trump um violating the espionage act and and trump uh mishandling classified documents that's going to fall flat on its face they'll never prosecute trump for that but what they are trying to do here throughout this entire process is they're trying to trap trump on perjury charges on obstruction charges and i'm going to tell you right now they've already gotten um they've already gotten one instance where this is this is what happened so january 3rd i mean, sorry, June 3rd, the DOJ, FBI visits Mar-a-Lago, and Trump's custodian of records actually signed off and certified that everything has been turned over, that, that they, they did a diligent search. See, before they raided Mar-a-Lago, they actually subpoenaed everything at Trump's estate bearing classified markings, right? They subpoenaed everything. So they were actually um, supposed to appear in court and bring all of that stuff that was subpoenaed, that, that was still remaining. Let me back up, actually. Okay, so January, Trump and his uh, his people, they turned over 15 boxes, right? They found classified markings, NARA did, so then they referred it to the DOJ, and the DOJ opened a criminal investigation in the grand jury, and then there was um, reason to believe for some for whatever reason that Trump still had stuff at at Mar-a-Lago so they subpoenaed the rest of the stuff now how they obtained that information's anyone's guess could it be that there's an FBI informant in Trump's circle possibly um but so they subpoenaed everything and they were supposed to appear in court but then they agreed that instead they would just do a diligent search of Mar-a-Lago and the FBI came to visit after their after the search, after Trump's attorneys and, and staff, they did a diligent search. They rounded everything they could find up, and they put it in, you know, 10 remaining boxes or so. And so on June 3rd, the FBI came to mar lago and there was a sit-down talk, and the custodian of records signed off that everything's we, – we, we've – you know, everything – that we found, I mean, we, we we did a search and everything that we found is now in a secure room, right? We found more stuff. It's in a secure room. Okay. So then they left. And a couple days later, the FBI sent them a letter and said, put an extra padlock on that room just in case, just to be sure. Okay. We want to make sure it's actually safe and secure. So put an extra padlock on that now. Somewhere between that June third meeting and August eighth, when they raided, <coughs> when they raided Mar-a-Lago, they they somehow obtained evidence that there were still documents remaining, and that that, that, that they bear uh, classified markings, right? That they were either in Trump's office or being stashed somewhere else in an unsecure location. Now, how did they get that information? Where did they get that information? Who told the FBI? Who tipped off the FBI? Other than an FBI informant in Trump's circle at Mar-a-Lago, right? So, so, so here's here's the thing: Who did the diligent search? The custodian of records certified, and uh, either the custodian of records did a poor job, or maybe. They purposely didn't find everything, or purposely didn't secure everything, and they signed off on it. And then somebody tipped off the FBI that not everything was secured, right? Or that stuff had been removed, or stuff had been, you know, they, that it's 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 somewhere else, right? None of this has anything to do with Trump. This is the people around Trump. Okay, so then the FBI raids Mar-a-Lago. And they uh, supposedly find stuff outside of the secure room. And so they're saying, you know, Trump mishandled this stuff or, um, now, 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 now I told that whole story for one reason, just to say that now they have a perjury charge because the custodian of records certified that everything was safe and secure. And, uh, and they went in there and they found stuff allegedly outside of the secure location. So you lied. Under the, uh, you know, when you certified, when we came in June 3rd and you you signed off, you lied. Somebody lied. Or maybe it was an accident. Very possible. But that's what they're going to try to do. That's what they're going to try to go for is perjury or obstruction, obstruction of the investigation. And it's not Trump. You guys think Trump's, you know, rounding up everything you can find at Mar-a-Lago and putting it in boxes? No, he's got people to do that for him. But the people that are doing it for him are incompetent or worse. Trump didn't do any of this stuff, guys. It's not like he had almost no involvement. I can almost guarantee you that. I listened to him on Sean Hannity and like he, he doesn't even know what they took. He, he, he unless, he's, unless he's being coy and, you know, strategic. It sounds to me genuinely like he doesn't even know what they took. So that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm just saying. Are we to believe that Donald J. Trump packed anything himself? No, he even says that. He says it was his staff and, uh, what is it, GC or, I don't know, some, but it wasn't him. It wasn't him. So uh, this is what I'm trying to tell you, is that this whole thing, I think, is an elaborate ploy to you know, basically set up traps along the way for perjury and obstruction. That's what I think it is. And now this is all about the midterms. This is all about damaging MAGA. This is all about bad press. You know, the 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 redacted affidavit which allowed the mainstream media to say, oh my God, what could possibly behind those be behind those black lines? Oh, Trump's trading nuclear secrets. And like that's what this is all about. This is about damaging MAGA. And so We had a situation where Judge Cannon put it all on hold and, you know, everything was postponed. The DOJ was forced to appeal and (coughs) Deary gave them an argument to win the appeal. So now the criminal investigation, which was going to be put on hold until November 30th when the special master completes his review, now it it can continue before the midterms, and now they can subpoena and raid more people and just continue this this bastardized, uh, completely partisan witch hunt before the midterms, thanks to Deary. Thanks to Deary. But is Trump going to be prosecuted? No. Is Trump going to be put in jail? Hell no. Not by the DOJ's crap investigation, not by the January 6th bullshit sham, not by Letitia James. Hell no. I could tell you, I could sit here and talk another hour about why all those things are going to fail. Trump didn't incite an insurrection. There was no conspiracy. And Letitia James is literally like saying that he inflated the value of his assets in order to get better loans. Okay, first of all, first of all, uh, (laughs) even even if he did, that's a common business practice, but also how do you prove that? How do you prove that he intentionally inflated his assets to get better loans? First of all, Trump never defaulted on any of those loans. So, oh, he he acted like he had more money to get more, you know, to to get better loans, get more money from the banks, right? And really, he didn't have the, the, the amount of money to pay off those loans. That's what you're trying to say? Like he frauded the banks? So then how did he pay off those loans and never default on a single loan unless he didn't overvalue his wealth right and also uh here's the thing whenever trump actually valued his assets the there was a there was a disclaimer in the valuation in the contracts with the banks that you guys are responsible for getting your own appraisers to value the assets so <laughs> It's not it's not yeah we're we're doing our best here valuing everything up but uh it's at the end of the day your responsibility you have to get your own appraisers so the banks are the ones liable if let's say Trump tried to inflate his assets and act like he had more money than he really did well it would be the bank's responsibility to figure that out and not approve the loan right so <laughs> this is this is crazy and and probably what she did was look at you know, different valuations from year to year and they change and they fluctuate. (laughs) That's just how it works. You know what I mean? Like there's no way that she can prove any of this shit. And it's already been tossed by the Manhattan district attorney's office. They were investigating the same thing. And the district attorney basically said, we don't have a case. We don't have evidence. Uh, I'm indefinitely suspending this investigation. And then two people at the district attorney's office in Manhattan resigned. And those people were Hillary Clinton and Obama donors. So there was this malicious effort, a partisan witch hunt. And the, the DA was like, I, I I can't do this. Like this is bullshit. So dismissed. And then the deep state actors actually resigned. But Letitia James is going after Trump for the same exact thing, and it's going to fail. Because it already did. So none of this is going to stick to Trump. None of it. The Georgia phone call with Brad Raffensperger, they're investigating that. Okay, good luck with that. Good luck with that. The Save America PAC, they're they are investigating um, campaign finance donation fraud or whatever. Okay, good luck proving that Trump actually had his hand in there and was controlling the setup and and all that. Trump didn't have anything to do with any of that. Right? And literally, every single political campaign, there's so much money coming in and going out and all this stuff. There's so much fraud happening. It's obvious that this is selective prosecution. They probably can prove that there was some sort of a legal activity with the Save America PAC because you could prove that with any PAC. But it's selective prosecution. It's politically motivated. But um, I don't think any of this is going to stick, guys. It's all about the narrative. It's all about optics. It's all about trying to sway people away from MAGA because, you know, even me sometimes, I sit there and I'm just like, dude, this is just Trump is just so complicated at this point. It's stressful, man. Like, they just never stop attacking this man. And I just want peace and quiet. And people feel that way. And then I'm like, hell no, dude. Because that, that means that what they're trying to do is working. And I'm not going to allow it to. So then I just double down on my support for Trump because I'm like, nah, screw that. Love him or hate him, this guy's like our mascot. <laughs> this guy's literally like the, the, the face, the poster of, of MAGA. And the America first agenda that's what he represents. You, you can you may not like his personality or his rhetoric, but that's what he represents and that's what I stand for and that's what I'll stand behind. you know you can't allow you can't allow them to just muddy the waters and make you feel like "Oh, it's just too complicated, I'm walking away." That's exactly what they want. and they want the the Democrats to constantly be fed with bullshit that they can go around screaming like Trump's going to be arrested. He's a criminal, all of his crimes. And then people feel like, oh, my God, like independents or people not very politically active. They're like, I'm just I just don't want to say I support this guy because it's easier to just not. I mean, I I would lose friends and family members. And because there's this vicious radical left, these these brainwashed lefties are so vicious and, and vile and violent. It's just easier for me to just not support him. And that's because a lot of people are mentally weak. But, you know, you you just have to be mentally strong. It's it's simple as that. Anyways, I'm going to wrap this up, shut this down. Uh, Work begins for me at noon today. I got a weird job. But anyways, it was nice going live with you. Love you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for watching, and I will see you next time.